This is Moving Pictures, and I'm your host, Brent Gunn. When we're talking about horror films, most of us tend to think of a few select films, tropes, or even golden ages for the genre. This could be the iconic Freddy Krueger slasher flicks of the 1980s, Nosferatu lurking in the shadows a la German Expressionism, or even the zombie classics of the recently passed George A. Romero. Yet despite these films' stylistic and technical differences, they all exist with the intent of scaring us as an audience. But what happens if Freddy Krueger doesn't terrify you? Or if the idea of zombies slowly coming towards your home in the night bores you? Recently, we as audiences have been treated to a wave of horror films in the mainstream that most of us have never seen before. These films are dark, brooding, poetic, atmospheric, sometimes even socio-political. This wave is what we can call indie horror. And whether you like or agree with the label or not, there's no denying that indie horror has changed the way mainstream audiences think of horror films. With an influx of popular, critically, and commercially successful films such as The Witch, It Comes at Night, The Duke, Get Out, It Follows, and others, one has to ask, has indie horror become the new horror standard? Now, augmentations on the typical horror stereotypes is nothing new, especially if you're more familiar with the foreign film circuits and scenes. However, American audiences rarely have had the pleasure of seeing so many successful horror films breaking genre conventions at one specific time. Let's look at a few of these films and really analyze what makes them different from their more typical horror contemporaries. First, let's look at one of the most prominent and recent examples, 2016's The Witch. You've cursed this family. The Witch is a film bent on being confrontationally confusing towards its audience. From its ambiguous, albeit somewhat anticlimactic ending, sparse plot points, and incredibly rigid Old English dialect, The Witch much more focused on disturbing and unsettling an audience with disorientation and dread, rather than blood and jump scares. The film trudges at a snail's pace, focusing on the deeply pious activities of an isolated family in centuries-old New England. Thematically, the film focuses more on the disintegration and destruction of a family than it does on the supernatural. Themes of familial abuse, child abuse, religious mania, supernatural liberation, and more are all suggested and titillated, but never outright explained by the film or its narrative. Relying on a decontrasted and desaturated color scheme and a repetitive score of screeching lone violins and cellos, the film presents you with a nightmare with no reason a horrible example of religious mania. Atmosphere in The Witch was key, and some may argue that's really all it had going for it. Using the subject matter of familial drama at the hands of abusive, religiously extreme parents sounds more like a depressing drama than it does horror. But seconds into The Witch, it is clear that the haunting, sometimes downright sickening picture the film wants to impress upon its audience. While some audiences may have felt tricked by the film's exceptional marketing campaign, it certainly left an impact on its audiences, grossing roughly $40 million, well above its budget. The director of the film, Robert Eggers, is currently working on an adaptation of the horror classic Nosferatu. Tonality is a huge focus in The Witch. Um, it actually has a lot of parallels to a film that we're going to be discussing a little bit further on later, uh, 2009's Antichrist. When I watched the film in theaters, um, I noticed a lot of parallels between this film, The Witch, and uh, 2009's Antichrist. 
uh, a lot of symbolism pertaining to animals, the concept of religious dogma, uh, the concept of family and uh, these, these ties to one another. A lot of animal iconography and symbolism uh, is present in both films. But what I think that the witch does that um, Antichrist kind of did better is it explores these themes, but it's almost a little bit too ambiguous. Uh, I would say that the uh, film Antichrist is much more a film that explores and fleshes out those themes of religious dogma, abuse, and uh, the true destruction of a family in these kind of unconventional circumstances. The Witch kind of is much more a film focused on tone, whereas a film like Antichrist is much more focused on uh, rich symbolism, character development, and uh, kind of directorial embellishments. Now, let's look at It Comes at Night. When we go out during the day, we like to stick to groups just for safety. The red door. It's the only way in and out of the house. It stays closed and locked all the time. <laughs> I have the keys. It's the only set. <laughs> Most important thing. What's he see? It's okay. Just go inside. We never go out at night. Released in 2017, the film again focuses on the pains and tribulations of a family in the middle of a post-apocalyptic world. Possibly. Hellbent on ambiguity, slow pace, minimalism, and occasional nosedives into surrealist terror, It Comes at Night does what the witch did, but with entirely other human contexts. The interracial family the film focuses on seems fractured from the start. Possible romances or affairs between characters appear in the narrative of the film as footnotes rather than developmental plot points. What is haunting the audience is never truly seen. Rather, the suggestion of horror, the pain of an unknown future, the possibility of not surviving this post-apocalyptic world, the isolation of your psyche is what is being used to scare you as an audience. It is a fear much more psychological and indirect in nature, but one could argue more unsettling than it is startling. It Comes at Night was a modest financial success, profiting roughly $12 million and cementing critical respect. Now, let's look at probably the greatest example of this new wave in indie horror. 2016's racially fueled horror comedy Get Out. Apparently, a whole bunch of brothers been missing in this suburb. But it's cool. Bro, how you not scared of this, man? Couldn't see no brother around here. Chris was just telling me how he felt much more comfortable with my being here. Get out. Sorry, man. Get out! Yo! <laughs> Bros, we gotta go. Is everything okay? The directorial debut of comedian Jordan Peele is nothing short of a horror masterpiece, one that beckons back to classics such as Scream. What Get Out accomplishes better than any of its horror contemporaries is its recontextualizing of what the audience should fear, or rather, what is truly frightening about our world today. Focusing on the slow descent into violence and hypnotism from a white, democratic family against their daughter's African-American boyfriend, Peele uses racism, more specifically neoliberal racism, as a consistent charge for fear. Audiences cringe and moan at the unsettlingly subtle racism spoken by characters, and applaud and cheer when our African-American lead rises above it and, literally, stomps racism down. When I saw Get Out, I was one of roughly only 10 other white people in the audience, the rest being African-American. And as I watched the film, laughing and likewise being horrifically engaged throughout, I saw what I felt was a kind of superhero for the black audience members. 
I saw what I felt was a true horror icon for them, similar to Kurt Russell in The Thing or Sigourney Weaver in Alien. Not only was I watching a film brutally address racism in the country, and not only was I watching a horror film that used racism rightfully so as its main source for the horror, I was watching a comedy with a young, charismatic African-American lead that African-American audiences truly wanted to see win. Now, this is just a personal account. But Get Out truly affected me in a way no other horror film has done before. Emotionally, mentally, comedically, the film felt like the beckoning in of not only a new wave in horror films, but perhaps even African-American cinema in general. Now, it should be noted that Get Out really couldn't have worked if, let's say, the girlfriend's family was a stereotypical Southern racist family or perhaps uh, rampant Trump supporters. What I think Get Out did really successfully was it subverted the audience even further by using a white Democratic family as its source for its racism. Had the film just been about racist Southerners or racist Trump supporters or racist Republicans or whatever, the film really wouldn't have felt like any kind of a social commentary. It would have felt like just liberal pandering or just beating a dead horse. I think that Jordan Peele made an exceptional decision to address liberal racism, something that we very, very rarely see and oftentimes never see in horror films. It seems like the horror auteurs of today are more interested in watching Andrei Tarkovsky than they are Eli Roth. Or maybe they're just bored and are looking for something new. This isn't to say I find the films of Eli Roth or any slasher filmmaker inferior. I love plenty of examples of Japanese gore, pseudo-snuff, exploitation films, you name it. However, I think this change in audience engagement with what's been seen as a static film genre is interesting. Maybe mainstream audiences are just now finding more and more things to be afraid of. All right, now what we're going to do is kind of an informal recommendation of some films that I think kind of continue on in that theme of subverting the uh, horror conventions. We have Mitchell from CM Life. He's a journalism major, and he loves movies. How do you say hi, Mitch? Like my lovely co-anchor just introduced me. My, my, my name is Mitchell Kakulka. I'm one of two news editors at Central Michigan Life, and I like movies. Movies are good. How movies are, are good. Mm-hmm. I like movies. Who who doesn't really? So to jump into this, um, I have five films here that I'm going to recommend, but I'm also going to have a uh, honorable mention. So we're going to start with that first. The honorable mention would be uh, David Lynch's Twin Peaks. Now I would recommend you watch the entirety of Twin Peaks. Anyone who's listening, um, it's really not so much a horror show as it is much more. Um, a melodramatic kind of soap opera with a lot of like surreal horror elements. Uh, I would recommend you watch the series in full and then return to the film that I'm suggesting, which is Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me. That's a uh, full-length feature film that was made as kind of like a sister to the series. It kind of fills in some plot holes that the series couldn't fill in on, but um, that would be the uh, the first um, honorable mention here. So Twin Peaks Firewalk with me, but I would really recommend you know you watch that entire series. Have you seen that much? I actually have not seen Twin Peaks, which really it's it's my deepest, darkest secret secret. <laughs> it, it is my <laughs> deepest, darkest secret. I'm twenty one years old. And I have still not seen Twin Peaks. I haven't seen any of the new season. Um I don't mm-hmm. have showtime. 
Okay. You know, I, I live that poor life. Um, but I've had Twin Peaks like within my grasp my entire life. Oh, it's I've so never, good. I've never made the leap. Are you a David Lynch fan? From what I've seen, I haven't. Now that I think about, it, I don't. I don't know if I've seen like any of his like feature films. I've seen a lot of short films by him. And I really. And I know like. It's like I a know, Racerhead. Uh, nope. Blue Velvet. I, I know quite a lot about his filmography oh as as a you know a fan of film. I feel like anyone who's listening who has seen any David Lynch films or all of his films, I think you could see where I'm getting at with suggesting Twin Peaks is like a, in a weird way, a horror film or or something that horror fans would be a fan of. There's a lot of Stephen King vibes mm-hmm. in Twin Peaks. It's a little bit campy at times, but mm-hmm. when it when it decides to be like horror fueled, it really like exceeds expectations and it's really like more frightening than probably any other film on this list. And David Lynch in general, like as an artist, he kind of is always towing that line of horror. Like, I don't know. I can't think of any examples off the bat where he's like gone full depth in like full made the dive into horror. But like everything he's ever done, it kind of has that creepy undertone. I think lost highway would be his most overtly horror film. Okay. Um, He's made plenty of films that just like straight up are not horror films. Like Wild at Heart, mm-hmm. uh, that is not a horror film. And uh, um, oh, what's it called? The Straight, the Story. Straight Story. It's like that Disney movie with it's, the old guy in the mm-hmm. tractor. Based off a true story. Based off a true story. Mm-hmm. So you know it's good. Okay, so Twin Peaks, the entirety of the series, but specifically the film Fire Walk With Me. Okay, now we're diving into the actual list of the films that I would properly recommend. We're going to start it off with Antichrist. Now, you've seen this film. I have. Okay, let's talk about how good of a movie this is. That's really the, the way I'd describe it. It's a very, <laughs> it's a very good movie. Um, you, you talked a little bit about it um, in your first segment, um, comparing it to The Witch, I believe. Yeah, um, when I saw The Witch, I had seen Antichrist a long time before I had seen The Witch. Um, it's mm-hmm. one of my favorite movies. It's probably like top 20, honestly. And as I was watching The Witch, I kept kind of getting this vibe that it was an Antichrist ripoff. Hmm. But I, I don't really think I feel like that, like, honestly. But um, Antichrist is directed by Lars von Trier. Um, he did Dancer in the Dark. Uh, Melancholia. Melancholia, Nymphomaniac, uh, Nymphomaniac with the great Shia LaBeouf. Love Shia. <laughs> But um, Antichrist is really um, a slow, trudging, very atmospheric horror. If you're looking for atmospheric horror, this is probably like the pinnacle of the genre, I would say. Very nightmare-esque. Very, very. Um, Willem Dafoe and Charlotte Gainsbourg, they essentially, and I'm I'm not going to spoil it for you, but the basic premise of the film is uh, Willem Dafoe and Charlotte Gainsbourg play this couple whose son uh, horrifically dies in an accident. And they kind of retreat to this uh, cabin in the woods. Mm-hmm. And a lot of creepy stuff happens. Like, to to leave it as simple as possible, it's mm-hmm. it's a cabin in the woods story, but it totally isn't. It's not that at all. Um, the third act is insane. I think you could vouch mm-hmm. for that. Absolutely, yeah. It's, like, some of the hardest stuff to watch in a movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I've seen the movie probably, like, 20 times now, and I still kind of flinch. Uh, anyone who's seen the film probably knows what we're talking about. But um, Antichrist, it's, if you were a fan of The Witch, if you like how slow The Witch is and how there's a lot of these um, allusions to naturalism or like the natural order of the world, a lot of religious dogma and a lot of religious context, Antichrist definitely has a lot of that. But I think it's just 
it's like The Witch, but just better in almost every single avenue, I mm-hmm. would say. What What do you think? I would agree. I think they're... To, to me, I'm, I haven't... Um, I haven't seen Antichrist quite as many times as you as you seem to, so I didn't really um, directly make those comparisons when I was watching The Witch. But like looking back, they're both very in that similar vein of horror movies where um, very little jump scares, very little for the most part, except for some um, particular scenes, very little blood and gore, but very heavy on mood, yeah. atmosphere. Um, almost in their own way, kind of like character studies. Yeah, yeah. It's like a very depressing horror film character study Mm -hmm. on a couple that you really just don't understand why they're even a couple to begin with. Mm -hmm. They seem like these polar opposites. But um, I don't want to get into spoilers too much. But uh, if that sounds like something that you'd be interested in, uh, kind of atmospheric, um, occasionally very, very gory horror, Mm -hmm. uh, Antichrist is definitely one that we would recommend. The next on the list is a uh, girl walks home alone at night. Now you haven't seen this one. I have not. I've been meaning to for so long, but I just haven't been able to. If you like vampires, if you like good vampire movies, uh, this is great. This is such a fantastic movie. I remember watching this and it's, it's much more like a horror comedy in a way. It's a really subtle kind of like horror comedy with a lot of, spaghetti western vibes okay yeah the, the the director i can't remember her name off the top of my head i'm i'm 99 sure it's a woman but um she described the film as like a vampire western and she kind of wants mm-hmm. to continue on in this vein of spaghetti western meets um like monster movies essentially which okay. is a really interesting idea i mm-hmm. think i'm not a huge western fan but uh watching this movie it's shot in black and white it looks like it's based in like El Paso, Texas or something. It's like a very mm-hmm. barren Southern atmosphere to it. A lot of like uh, what tumbleweeds rolling in, in the streets and stuff. But uh, it has like a really glossy side to it too. Like a lot of kind of um, uh, contradicting aesthetics working against each other. You have like the Western vibes and a lot of these glossy kind of pop icon vampire vibes. It's like if Lady mm-hmm. Gaga was making a western horror film in a lot of ways i'm trying to envision this in my head i know i i'm i'm, I'm probably uh confusing mitch more than i'm helping him but uh if anyone's seen this film i think you could probably get what i'm getting at but if any of this sounds interesting to you if you're looking for a lady gaga-esque western vampire movie girl walks home a lot alone at night i think seals that deal more than anything else will i don't think any anything else really will a very interesting pitch you have to admit it is lady gaga vampire western can't go wrong next on the list oh yeah just to sum up uh girl walks home alone at night i believe it's still on netflix uh last time i checked it wasn't it it may not be but um if it is watch it antichrist i'm sure is still on there last time i was on Mm -hmm. netflix i saw it um next on the list is a film that we've both seen Mm -hmm. irreversible what do you think of Irreversible? Because I almost had a little bit of a hang-up even like putting it on this list, but I think it's mm-hmm. such a good movie that I need to. So what do you think of Irreversible? I, I can also kind of see your trepidation on putting Irreversible yeah. on a list of horror movies because, to be honest, it's really not... It doesn't have any like conventional horror elements. It's, it's yeah. more of a... 
if it, if I put like any genre to it, it'd be more like a crime drama, a little bit. Yeah, um, mm. this is probably the most like artsy fartsy of the films on this list. Mm. But um, Antichrist. Yeah, yeah, but um, ir- irreversible. It's it's a film that's shot in reverse, so it mm-hmm. begins with the ending and it uh, continues on to the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. But man, if you're if you're a fan of films that use really interesting camera techniques, oh, yeah, that's if, in that in that regard, that's how I can kind of see how um, you you've put it on this list. It's it's films like I'll probably say this a lot over the course of um, this podcast, but it's it's it felt like a nightmare. Yeah, watching it, it felt just completely unlike and anything you that I can think of, like anything I've ever seen on film. And like from the very first frame, it's like very unnerving, very unorthodox, otherworldly. Even though it's the plot is pretty, yeah, it's it's basic. a pretty straightforward mm-hmm. plot. It's kind of like a uh, revenge story. Mm-hmm. Um, I I really don't want to spoil too much for you. It's a very simple plot, but going into it knowing that it's a revenge story, I think mm-hmm. kind of seals the deal of why you would enjoy it. But um. The, the camera work in the movie is just insane. There's mm. so many times where the camera does these insane movements where it's just shooting everywhere at the same time, and it's edited in a way to make it all look like this one continuous take, even mm. though it isn't. It, it's it's edited together to look that way, and it's just seamless. But um, it's super disorientating, um, or it's super disorienting. Yeah. I think... The way when I was watching it, the way I would describe it is if somebody put a GoPro on a fly. Exactly. It's yep. just very, it's continuously jittery. It's much, yeah. much jittier than a, much more jittery than a, you know, found footage films. Mm-hmm. But um, just amazing camera work. The acting's amazing. It is in French. Um, there are subtitles, but mm-hmm. I mean, I, yes. I've never really had an issue with that. I used to watch subtitles just on English movies just mm-hmm. so I could like have a clear understanding of what people were saying. I did too. But um, Gaspar Noé, he did uh, Enter the Void. It's the same director. Did you mm-hmm. ever see Enter the Void? I've seen parts of it. I haven't seen I haven't seen it all the way through. If you watched Enter the Void, which I, I know a lot of people have seen that movie. If you went from that to watching this, which was about like 12 years prior to it, Mm-hmm. Give or take twelve years, yeah, about a decade. Let's just be safe. Mm-hmm. About a decade. Um, you can see his logical progression as a filmmaker. He's one of my favorite filmmakers. Period. But um, irreversible, man. It's it's a horror film in that it disturbs you. It's much more of a disturbing movie than mm-hmm. it is a scaring movie. But um, it's about as horrific as real life can get without yes. in, without introducing any supernatural elements. Very like cinema concrete, very bare bones. Just mm-hmm. this is the way it is. This is how it's shown. Mm-hmm. And just like a, we kind of have to get it out of the way with the warning here. Uh, if you're going to watch this movie, if you're at all you know touchy about the subject of like sexual abuse, if if that just kind of turns your stomach, you don't want to see that. Stay away from this movie. There's a Absolutely. very, very gratuitous, about 14, 15 minute um, assault scene, which mm-hmm. I love the movie, but man, I fast forward through that scene. I'm not going to lie. It, mm. it, it, it gets a little gratuitous. I understand why it's there. I understand it kind of gives the main character this, uh, this uh, desire to really seek revenge, and it kind of 
helps you understand like the the realness of the situation, the intensity of the situation. But if you're at all schemish about that, I would stay away from the film. But if you're if you can handle that, mm-hmm. if you're looking for great cinematography, great acting, very unconventional kind of horror thriller crime drama, this is definitely something that we would recommend. Next on the list, we have a trilogy. Actually, the next two films are trilogies. It's a little bit of a technicality, but they all fall together. The first trilogy are the August Underground films. Now, I guarantee there's like maybe one person listening who's heard of these films. They're uh, right around the time that Blair Witch, the original Blair Witch Project, like 1999, 2000, when that was at the peak of its hype, um, Fred Vogel was a director who basically wanted to make a much more grittier version of that film. And instead of using witches, instead of using, you know, supernatural monsters, he wanted to make a found footage movie that was rough around the edges like Blair Witch was, but about serial killers. And August Underground is a trilogy of found footage horror movies that follow a serial killer and his girlfriend and their, you know, uh, druggy friends on their escapades over the years and how they eventually kind of uh, realize that they can't really do it anymore. It, it doesn't humanize oh. serial killers. He, he, he's gone into interviews many times saying that uh, he wanted it to, to expose them for what they were. You know, he was fed up with, you know, films like American Psycho and Patrick Bateman's and people kind of glorifying serial killers any Uh kind of way he wanted to show them for just the ugly like as ugly as he could you know okay and watching the films they are they are just ugly as sin um really really rough around the edges but if you're a fan of extremely well conceived makeup gore effects Mm -hmm. some of the best makeup and gore i've seen in any horror movie hands down the guy is he did all the makeup himself the director and it's just like mind blowing because th- these films have budgets of three hundred dollars. That's what I was gonna say. These are pre- like three like, to five hundred dollar budget these movies. Are pretty, even as far as cheap movies go. Like oh these, yeah, it's, these it's are... no budget, just like micro budget. And uh, he made the film with the intention of you know, if you just left the VHS on the sidewalk and just popped mm-hmm. into your VHS, you'd think it was like a real recorded murders going oh, on. A real snuff film. Yeah, essentially, mm-hmm. and. If you watch this movie with no context that it's an actual film, you would totally buy that because it is so believable. Mm, and okay. watching this movie, it kind of it, it really makes you change your perspective on um, shows like maybe like American Horror Story or mm-hmm. American Psycho or things like that, where you kind of see these serial killers as these as these anti heroes, and you kind of root for them, and they're kind of mm-hmm. funny. This film kind of puts a damper on that entire mindset like for for better or for worse but um there's three films in the trilogy uh the original august underground mortem and august underground penance i would recommend the first it's my personal favorite one of my favorite horror films ever it's the lowest quality of the trilogy Mm -hmm. but i i think just on a theory aspect of wanting to accomplish like a diary documentation of serial killers existing in their day to day, like going to the gas station, going to concerts and then killing someone later. It's so rooted in realism. It's almost like scary 
it just some of the best horror films, one of the best trilogies ever. I, How I did the movie. other two films compare? Mortem is a little bit too excessive. Okay. Um, they have they had a slightly higher budget, but it also tries to drive the point home that we are very edgy. Mm, uh, okay. Yeah, it, get, it gets a little excessive in the in the later two. I feel like the first one is the most rooted in realism. The last mm-hmm. two are a little bit too fantastical. I still think that they're good films, like for what they're trying to do. Though I still think that uh, just based on the principle alone of trying to expose serial killers, you know, as just the ugly people that they are, the films totally succeed in that. So I would recommend the whole trilogy, but I would say the first one is the best. Okay. And then last on the list is another horror trilogy. It's more of a horror anthology. It's uh, three shorts in one single movie. It's uh, Three Extremes, I believe released in 2003. Um, there's three shorts all by Japanese horror directors. Okay. One is kind of a mystery, like a mystery cannibal movie. In, in a very technical sense. Uh, have you ever seen the movie Dumplings by any chance? I have not. Are you familiar with what it is, though? No, I'm not. Okay, well, that movie was um, later developed after one of the shorts in this film. Okay. And uh, basically, it, it's kind of a turn on the Fountain of Youth scenario, this first short, kind of this uh, woman actress who wants to achieve youth forever, and she kind of goes mm-hmm. about that in a very kind of gross way. Um, the second film's like a straight-up horror comedy. Uh, this guy, mm-hmm. this actor, they all kind of center around actors, which is another interesting theme. But uh, this one actor is basically kidnapped by an extra. I'm sorry, he wasn't an actor. He was a director. He's kidnapped by an extra of one of his past films, he and his girlfriend, and are basically tortured because this extra is just a loser. Like, he he never became a real actor or anything, and... It's actually, like, really funny, surprisingly. And the third one um, is actually directed by Takashi Miike, who did Ichi the Killer and Audition. Have you you seen either of those? I've, through YouTube clips, I feel like I've seen most of the the movies. I haven't, like, sat down and watched them yet. I wanted to put Audition on this list, but every, like, horror film you haven't seen list has Audition on there. Yeah, But it's so good. It's so deserving of it. Um, audition's fantastic if you haven't seen that. Every horror fan friend, like whose house I visited, has audition. Like it's it, it's a masterpiece. It's straight. It's like it's very Kubrick esque. Okay. In many ways, I I mm-hmm. would say so. Um, but yeah, the the last short in a uh, three extremes. It's much more kind of like an atmospheric short. It's my least mm-hmm. favorite of the three, which kind of you know sucks because I love Takashi Miike's work. Mm-hmm. But I watched this short and it. It's okay. Um, I showed the movie to my girlfriend. She loved all three parts, and I've never mm-hmm. really been sold on the third. But I would still recommend Three Extremes uh, as a whole, as a horror film that you should watch. If you're, this is totally predating VHS too, as far as horror anthologies go. So mm-hmm. if you like horror anthologies, I know a lot of them are kind of hit and miss. A lot of them seem to be more misses, but this mm-hmm. is definitely a fantastic example of that model done correctly. So to summarize, my recommendations were Twin Peaks slash Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me, Antichrist, Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, Irreversible, The August Underground Trilogy, and Three Extremes. And I think you have some films that you wanted to I do. I have my own little list of five movies like you. Um, 
that I think um, deserve a place in this conversation. Yeah. So the first one I'm going to mention is a newer film compared to compared to a lot of the other movies we're talking about. Very new. I think it came out last year, but it's only been getting a release um, this year. I don't think it's even been released in America yet. It's a French film called Raw, but directed by Julia DeCornau. I really wanted to see this. I'm very, I'm very upset. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's again, it's one of those movies that. It's very hard to talk about without spoiling of a central part right. of um, why you would watch the movie, which is kind of this t- very mysterious atmospheric buildup to um, a series of twists that um, kind of, I guess I will kind of spoil a little <laughs> bit, um, takes to. takes the um, cannibal subgenre of horror in a very... Very new direction. It's very unlike anything um, that I can think of. I think it's if anybody if anybody listening has seen the vampire film um, "Let the Right One In" or the American remake uh, "Let, Let Me, Me In." in. Yes. Both both are good. I like both. both. I've heard good things about both. Um, it's very similar in that until it takes this um, this uh, archetypical horror concept. Um, in those in those movies, it was the vampire. In this movie, it's the cannibal and um, Makes them very realistic. Almost, it almost fits more into like at some points more like thriller or genre or drama. Is is isn't so, the lead in the film like a, a college like freshman yeah, or something? Yeah, she's a the. Without giving too much away, the right. story centers around a um, a young French girl. She's just starting her first year in a, a veterinary school. Okay, and her family. Um, are very stringent vegetarians. Like early on in the oh, film, right, she, right. she accidentally like has a piece of meat touch uh, her food um, in the ca- uh, in the cafeteria, and she like her entire family freaks out. But right. very like very strict vegetarians, and as a kind of hazing thing that they do in her new veterinary school, they have her eat rabbit gizzards or some some gizzards. I don't know which. Which animals have gizzards? They make her eat meat, essentially. They, they make her eat meat, yeah. and it awakens something within her. Oh, that, that's yikes! Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's all it's also kind of um coming of age e um okay <laughs> the uh, kind of mixing genres of um this having um the main character um a, a young girl um discover herself um things about um. Her family history. A um, young cannibal girl coming into can- herself as a young cannibal. Yes. Very mm-hmm. interesting. What, what was the next film you got? Um, the next film I have is It Follows. Oh, okay. By David Robert Mitchell. I'm um, sure most people that, have, that are listening mm-hmm. have seen this film. It's up there with like The Witch and Get Out as as kind of, um, un- I guess I, I'm doing air quotes, underground movies that really have broken through to the mainstream. Definitely. definitely. A lot of attention. Uh, A24 Studios mm-hmm. is a studio that's been releasing a lot of underground films that have really been breaking through into the mainstream. Yes. And mm-hmm. uh, most films that we've talked about today, like It Follows, The Witch, I know um, Get Out, those are all you know. A24 studio films. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It Follows... Um, a lot of coming of age movies that were that were yeah. a lot of um, that we're talking about today. A lot of horror films that mix the um, 
usually like chipper, cheery um, idea of like a coming of age story with some pretty grotesque horror ideas. Yeah, and that's um, and that's kind of um, the crux of it. Follows it's a story about um, adolescent sexuality and um, um, yeah. <laughs> I guess I, I think what I like so much about films like it follows is whoever wrote these films looked at what a lot of these other um, kind of like mid 2000s horror films were doing mm-hmm. just did the opposite because yeah. a lot of those mid 2000s films they established so many rules mm-hmm. for you know, the monster or the ghost or whatever like oh it can't be out at this time oh it can't do this like whenever you do that you're just kind of shooting yourself in the foot yeah. You know, with with it follows, it's really ambiguous. Like you never really know what mm. it is. Yeah. And a lot of people can see that as a cop out. Um, it isn't. I, I, I really think that's probably the smartest way to take a monster movie. Mm-hmm. You know, like The Mist. Did you ever see The Mist? I have. Yes. Very ambiguous as well. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it follows. Fantastic pick. Um, My next one uh, is kind of misplaced on this list, but I just had to. Mention it as above, so below. I haven't seen this. One. Directed by John Eric Dowdle. Um, it was a 2014 film. Um, found it was kind of the the last hurrah of that huge um, found footage boom oh, that yeah. went on. Um, in the, 2009 from onward, from Cloverfield started it, then it kind of like went on. Then paranormal activity, paranormal activity. kind of like activity. really skyrocketed, and now we have like the gallows. Have you, did you see the gallows? I've I've seen trailers of the awful, gallows. Awful, awful, awful movie. Do not watch the gallows. As above, so below. It's not. It's and for those those of you listening home who are writing these movies down, it's not an excellent movie. It's it's that's fair. I it's as far as um if you kind of look at it as this uh, kind of um. Coming out at the peak of the found footage boom, I, th- I think it's one of the better ones. It's okay. it's one that um doesn't absolutely doesn't take itself too seriously. It's not outright comedic, but for and this one this one uh, I, I don't feel too bad about spoiling. I'm not gonna spoil too much, but <laughs> it's about um a group of spelunkers who um, venture into the catacombs under Paris and um base, they they enter hell. They go, they go through the gates of hell. And it's very, um, it plays with a lot of conventions um, of the found footage horror films. Yeah. Like um, a lot of people, a lot of pe- um, fans can, will complain about like why why are they still filming? A lot like, of how, fake scares and stuff like that. Scares, the thing that always like that. drives me crazy about these found footage movies is that the editing, when there's like post-production things in found footage movies, uh-huh. it totally ruins it for me. Like uh in the gallows that I just mentioned, there's like fades huh. and like there's like mm-hmm. there's music added in. And it's like, <laughs> you can't do that. This is all like one source. Like mm-hmm. you're supposed to find the footage. You can only add that in post. Yeah. And so this film, um, like I said, it's a group of people all with uh, caving equipment. So they have camera cameras on their helmets, cameras on their chests. Right. Um, and so that, that makes sense why mm-hmm. they would be filming technically, I yeah. guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I guess kind of a funny story. This was probably the first film I saw in theaters when I first came up here to Central Michigan University. Okay. It came out in like mid-October of 2014. And um, I was the only one in the theater. This, oh. is, this was my first experience with a horror movie. 
and I was the only person in the theater. <laughs> it's funny. It's yeah, it's a good movie. It's, it's, well, it's an okay movie. What? Well, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. we like not not everything that we're recommending is like mm-hmm. ten out of ten it's best good. movie ever. Mm-hmm. Like we got to be honest, some of these like they're good. They're good. They're, they're, they're good. All of these are interesting movies. They're all, all interesting. They're all mm-hmm. things that we think subvert horror uh, stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, speaking of subverting horror stereotypes, um, I'm going to recommend the movie May. That fantastic movie. Directed by um, the man who has the best, my fa- probably my favorite director name ever, Lucky McKee. Now that's a name. That's, that, that's, that's like Harmony Corinne level of just class <laughs> mm-hmm. right there. Mm-hmm. May, I'm repeating myself again, but like this is one of those movies that you really can't talk too much go about into it blind definitely go into you, it blind the more you know about it um the less i don't know magical it gets but <laughs> it's 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 like a it's, romantic comedy it's a romantic comedy um that's that's really how i all i can describe um, it in the same it, it, way if that you've seen carrie if you like carrie it's carrie, very similar yeah. to carrie in a lot of carrie, ways it's like mm-hmm. this this girl who is so likable and so lovable and she's just trying to like get a boyfriend and just like have a normal life and everything mm-hmm. but Everyone just craps on her. No one likes her. She's very weird, but she's lovable in the same way. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very, very likable performances mm-hmm. from everyone involved in the mm-hmm. film. But um, the film has like a really sweet tone to it throughout the entire film. Uh, yeah, absolutely. A very yeah. sweet kind of uplifting romantic comedy. And then the last half when she kind of turns mm-hmm. is when the film really like goes off the hinges. And it does it so tastefully. Mm-hmm. And even at, I think in like the very last shot, it kind of has. Oh, that last shot messes me up. That, oh man, a very disturbing mixture of um, that sweet tone that you were talking about earlier and um, more conventional horror. Yeah, mm-hmm. D- definitely like um, a movie that you could put on if like you're on a date, like like if you like mm-hmm. you know are on the couch trying to watch something mm-hmm. with someone. It's a it's a great date scary movie fantastic keep in mind you have to be on a date with a very particular person for this yeah yeah that that's fair some people may be a little bit off put by it but it's it's a great movie fantastic the last film i'm going to recommend is uh green green room directed by jeremy saunier um this one you'll find a lot of people who are kind of on the fence about whether it counts as a traditional horror movie it's definitely very horrific in the same way as, um, well, that's what are we talking about? Um, irreversible. Right, right. It's not no supernatural elements at all. It's about a punk band played by, um, le- a, a punk band um, led by um, a character played by Anton Yelchin, I think. I believe, yeah, I believe um, I saw this movie, like it got its wider release shortly after um Anton Yelchin passed away a few years ago. Okay. And so it was, it was even like um, from its inception, it was kind of bittersweet watching um, this great young actor and arguably his best role. I've I'd heard say. nothing but good things about this. Mm-hmm. Everyone who mm-hmm. saw it recommended it to me. Mm-hmm. They said, you need to go see this. Mm-hmm. It looked good. Um, mm-hmm. I think I just never really got around to watching it, honestly. Anyway, so it's about um, a punk band um, led by Anton Yelchin who – takes up takes up a show in this backwards wrong turn esque um love wrong turn uh wilderness in a show venue that's 
you find out later, is run by neo-Nazis. Yikes. And they, they through a just sadistic turn of events, they get stranded out there with no possibility of, get, of getting help. Right. With just trapped in them, the, green, the green room of this uh, show venue with this um, gr- group of white supremacists played by, played, like, <clears throat> led um, supremely by Patrick Stewart. Oh, okay. That's what, that's what got this movie a lot of press is that you have Patrick Stewart, who's the lovable grandfather of s- at least the past, like, two or three generations, mm-hmm. like this grand- fatherly lovable figure and he's playing a despicable um man yeah. this this leader of this um skinhead cult yikes so green room green room okay so do you want to go through your list again just to like uh summarize okay so yeah from starting from the top my the movies i'm recommending are raw it follows as above so below may and green room You can just cut out this awkward yep. pause. I was just doing yep. some notes. <clears throat> All right. So thanks a lot, Mitch, for coming on. Hopefully I have you on again sometime soon. Those are our recommendations. Hopefully you can find something in there that you mm-hmm. like. If not, you know, that's fine too. You gotta <laughs> like this. It's fine. But uh think thanks a lot. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. Has indie horror become the new horror standard, or are the goalposts just being widened more and more? Cinema of all stripes is in somewhat of an interesting transitional period, and whatever it is that we're transitioning towards, I'm sure we'll have filmmakers finding new ways to freak us out with things we'd rather not think about, or maybe have never thought about. This has been Moving Pictures, I've been your host Brent Gunn, thanks for listening.